Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing this morning? Hey, it's good to see you on and welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to take a second, welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in this morning. Uh, and if you're here today for the first time or the first time maybe in a long time, I want to ask you to do me a favor and fill out our Connect card. You can scan that QR code behind me or send us a text. Or if you received a bulletin on your way and you can fill out the little card in there and tear it out and leave it in the plates as you leave today. We just want to get some information from you uh, so that we can serve you the best way that we can. But man, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, we're wrapping up today uh, a little series we've been in called Surrender. And we've been talking about how we can put God first in a few key areas of our lives that we often try to control. Um, And the reason that we're doing this is because there's a level of living and fulfillment and peace and joy and all these things that we miss out on when we don't put God first in our lives. So we've started this year with just a few weeks on how we can truly put God first in some of these areas that are really important and some of these areas that we typically try to keep in our own hands. And we started out and we talked about our decisions. And then last week we talked about relationships. Today we're going to wrap this up and we're gonna talk about how we can put God first in our finances. Uh, But in every one of these areas of our lives, as we put God first, he begins to shape these things, these parts of us. When we put God first in these areas, he begins to move in these areas of our lives and we begin to look more like him in these areas of our lives. And I really do believe that the only way for you to reach your fullest God-given potential in life is to submit every part of your life to him. Uh, and there's a level of living that we miss out on when we don't do that. And we'll never walk in that, that fullest God-given potential until we give God priority and put him first in every area of life. Because if he isn't first, then he's not leading you. If he's not first, he's not guiding you. If he's not the priority, then you're probably not following him. So we talked about decisions, we talked about relationships. Today we're gonna wrap this up, we're gonna talk about finances, money, and I'm gonna make it easy on you today, all right? We're not gonna take up a special offering or anything, that's not the plan for this service today. Uh, But my heart for you is this, it's that I want to see you experience God's peace and blessing when it comes to your financial situation. That's my hope and my prayer for you today because the reality is few things in life can wreck your mind more than money. Right? And I'm sure that all of us in this room have experienced that at some point or another. Money can cause a lot of stress, can cause a lot of fear, and I really want you to be free from that. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about our relationship with money. The Bible has a lot to say about our relationship with our stuff and our possessions. And the driving idea behind all of that is that God wants us to find freedom from the authority of money in our lives. And I've heard it said this way, and I'll say it this way today, that money is a great tool It's an excellent tool, but it's a terrible, terrible master. And the reality is if money is your master, if money is running your life, if money is running your emotions and fueling your decisions, if money is your master and what you're following, then you're never gonna reach that full potential that God has in store for you. And that's just the truth. There's no way to sugarcoat it, but it's very easy for money to become the master of our lives. It's very easy for money to become the master of our emotions. It's very easy for money to become the driving factor in our 
decisions. It's easy for us to feel like we're on a roller coaster of ups and downs, depending on what our financial situation looks like at the moment. So it's very easy for money to become our authority or our master. And that's one of the biggest causes of divorce. And what does that tell us? It tells us that money is a terrible master, okay? The good news is the Bible offers us a little bit of a different perspective. The Bible reorients our mentality and our perspective on money. And it essentially tells us that we need to take money off of the throne of our lives. And that may be difficult for us because we live in a world and a culture that's all about money, right? We've built our lives around money and our culture, everything is about money. It's about the job you have. That sort of becomes your identity and how much money you're making. That's what drives us forward in the culture we live in. And if we live that way, we miss out on the life that God wants us to live because when your money is your master, you live a very worried life, okay? And it doesn't even matter how much money you have. If money is your master, you're going to live a worried life. If you don't have very much, then you're gonna be worried about how you're gonna take care of yourself, right? How am I gonna make ends meet? How am I gonna pay for this? How am I gonna cover this? And if you do have a lot, then you're still gonna be worried about it because you're worried about how you're gonna maintain it and how you're gonna protect it and how you're gonna keep it coming and how you're gonna remain in control. So it doesn't matter how much you have, whether you have a little or a lot, if money is your master, you're going to live a very worried life. And people tend to think, well, if I just had this much and there's a number in your mind, then I wouldn't be worried anymore. And here's what I would say to that. When you get there, okay, you're just gonna keep worrying because if money is your master, you're going to live a worried life, even if you have that much. You might think, well, if I just get to that level, then I'll be fine. Here's what I can say to that. You won't, I promise. You will never be fine as long as money is your master because the goalpost is just gonna keep moving, right? The reality is it doesn't matter how much you have because it's not an amount issue, it's a heart issue, okay? Now, before we really get into what the Bible says, I wanna be very clear. It's not telling us that it's wrong to have money, right? I'm not here to say it's a bad thing to have money. The Bible never says that you shouldn't. It just gives us a proper perspective when it comes to money. The apostle Paul, he talked to the rich people and he told them what they should do with their money and how they should honor God with it. Abraham, the Bible tells us, was incredibly blessed. And it didn't say that that was a bad thing, right? Same with Solomon. And it doesn't, doesn't say that that was a bad thing. Money is a great tool, but it's a terrible master. And the driving principle that I hope to get across to you today is this, that money is only a blessing when you have it, okay? In other words, it's not a blessing when it has you. And that's the difference that we need to understand today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn me to Matthew chapter six. We're gonna be right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount today. And right in the middle of this sermon, the, the greatest sermon, most popular sermon ever preached, Jesus has a few things to say about money. And we're gonna read a chunk little by little today, but I wanna read verse 24 for you. This is what he says. He says, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. He says this, you cannot serve both God and money. Here's what Jesus is getting at in this verse. He's saying there will be a master of your life, okay? We were created to serve, that's a part of who we are, and we will ultimately see something as Lord over our lives, something that will define who we are, something that will drive our decisions, something that we will seek fulfillment in. We all have a Lord in our lives, right? And Jesus says, you have a choice. There's going to be a master. 
And in this particular context, he's saying it can be me or it can be money, but it cannot be both. He says you cannot serve both God and money. Other translations say you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So the point of the verse is this, money can't be the Lord of your life. It can't be your source. It can't be the source of your joy, the source of your security, the source of your peace. Instead, we should allow God to be the Lord of our lives, right? We should allow God to be the authority, the master, because he's good and he's wise and he's loving and he's caring. He should be the one that guides us. He should be the one that directs us. He should be our Lord, our source. We cannot serve both God and money, right? Paul says something along these same lines. First Timothy chapter six, verse 17. He says, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. I love what Paul says here, okay? Who is he instructing in this verse? The Bible says he's instructing those who are rich in the present age. He says, don't put your hope in money. And I love the way he says it. He says, don't put your hope in the uncertainty of wealth. In other words, money is unreliable, right? He's saying, if you're putting your trust in money, you're trusting in an uncertain and unreliable source and it's probably not gonna end well for you. He says, instead, put your hope in God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Here's what I want you to grasp from this verse today. When you begin to trust God as your provider and your source, rather than your money, it postures you in a place where you're able to experience his peace and his joy and his rest in your life. But what does that mean, right? What does that mean to trust God in this way? I'm gonna try my best to explain it to you. Uh, but for so many of us, this is our mentality when it comes to money, all right? Let's say you have a job, all right? And that's great. You have a job and your job ultimately provides you with money. And with that money, you're able to cover your needs. This is the structure that most of us have in our relationship with money. I have a job, I go to work, that job provides me with a paycheck. And with that paycheck, I take care of my needs. This is how we operate. This is our mentality. But the Bible gives us a little bit of a different perspective. The biblical perspective looks like this. In the biblical perspective, God is the source of everything that I have. And he provides me with different things. He might provide you with a job. He might provide you with an opportunity. He might give you some direction in your life. He might give you an idea that turns into a business. He might give you some favor. He provides us with all of these things. And from these things, he takes care of our needs. It seems like a very subtle difference, but if you live with this mentality, it'll absolutely change your life because when your job is your source, yes, it provides you with money, which ultimately helps you meet your needs, but what happens when your job goes into question? You're gonna be a total disaster because you just lost your source, right? And that's not how God calls us to live. God says, I am your provider. And he provides us with a variety of different things. He provides us in a variety of different ways. And when he is your source, you're on a firm foundation that you can trust in and depend on and hope in and trust in. And that's huge, right? Remember what Paul said. He said, instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who provides richly for us with all things to enjoy. So you cannot be your own source. Your job cannot be your source. God 
is your source. He is your provider. And again, this is great theological knowledge, but how do we apply it to our lives, right? What does this look like? How do we put God in a position of authority over our finances. I think it's easy for us to come here this morning and say, yes, God is first, right? We've been in this theme for, this is the third week. God is first. I'm gonna put him first in my life. I'm gonna put him first in this new year. That's great. He's the Lord of our lives. But how do we actually do that when it comes to our finances? Here's how. This is what I'm gonna share with you today. Putting God first in your finances requires you to honor him with your finances, all right? This is how you put God first. And this is the reality check that we need to have this morning. Because if we've learned anything from these last few weeks, it's this. It's that it's possible for you to be a Christian and still not submit certain areas of your life to God. And that is a very dangerous place for us to be in. That's not a place you wanna be in. We need to put God first in every area of our lives. That's what he calls us to do. That is what he wants from us. He wants us to surrender every part of our lives to him. And the way that we do that with our money is to honor him with it, right? Proverbs chapter three, verse nine says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. He says, then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine, okay? I don't want you to miss the progression in these verses, right? First, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first produce of your harvest. And if you do this, it says, then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, when you're honoring him in this way, when you're putting him first in this area of your life, when you're giving him authority, then the Bible says, he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with new wine. The problem is, the challenge for us is that we miss the first step, right? We think, well, I'm saved. So God's gonna give me everything I need. But the Bible says in order for us to experience his blessing in our lives, we have to fully submit to him, right? Well, what does that mean? How do I honor God with the first produce of my harvest? This is the idea of the tithe, right? And this is a principle that existed all the way back in the story of Abraham. The idea of honoring God with the first part of our harvest is mentioned for the first time in Genesis chapter 14. In other words, this predated the law right? When we honor God with what we have, it puts us under his authority. I'll say it this way. By honoring God with your finances, you're putting your faith in action. You're trusting him as your provider. And this is not an investment strategy. This is theology. And sometimes we get it twisted, right? There's this prosperity idea that teaches us that if we invest 10% of our income back to God, then he's gonna return it to us a hundredfold. And that's not what this is about at all. This isn't an investment strategy. This is lordship. This is looking at, if you check your bank account, what is the Lord of your life, right? We're not giving to God to get something in return from him. We're giving because he's good. And we know that ultimately everything I have was provided for me by him. And when I put him first, when I honor him, It positions me in a posture where I am under the authority of his lordship and it gives me peace and it gives me rest, all right? When you honor God with your finances, it changes three things. It changes your heart, it changes your body, and it changes your mind. And I'm gonna show you how. Honoring God with your finances, it changes your heart because it strengthens your faith in him, right? Now, it's easy for us to say, right? I'm saved, I have faith in God, but talk is cheap, right? Submitting to God, it requires more than our words 
Putting him first, it requires more than our words. It requires action. Here's what faith is. Faith is the moment when I couple what I believe in my trust and it leads me to action. And so many times we believe that God can provide for us, right? We might even trust that he's going to provide for us, but we haven't put any action in our faith. We haven't honored him. We haven't submitted to him. We haven't put him first. And when you honor God with your finances, not only are you trusting in him as your provider, you're also doing that. You're putting your faith into action and it changes your heart because when you put your faith into action, God responds and it does a powerful work in your heart, right? If we look back to what Jesus said, Matthew chapter six, we're gonna read a little more verse 19 going back. He says this, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. And I love this. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, okay? So as you trust God with this key area of your life, as you invest in his kingdom, it changes your heart. Because just as he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'll give you an example of this in my own life. I don't remember exactly how long this was ago, maybe a year, year and a half ago. But Boeing had this big issue with the 737 MAX and their stock tumbled, right? Apparently this is a frequent issue for Boeing. Uh, It wasn't the first time they've had issues with their planes and certainly isn't the last. And that's not the point that I'm trying to make today. But at this particular time, Boeing's stock just tumbled. And I thought, there's no way it's gonna stay like this, right? So I waited a little bit for it to tumble as much as it was going to tumble. And then I took some of our money and I invested, I bought some Boeing stock with it. And a few months later, I made good money off of that, which I thought was great, right? That's awesome. But again, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is this, never before in my life had I cared about Boeing at all, right? Never before in my life did I wake up every morning and check the Boeing stock, right? Never before in my life did I Google Boeing and read articles about what was going on with the company and what the CEO was doing and how things were going. But when my money was invested in it, my heart began to wonder, what's happening with Boeing today, right? And I followed it and I read up on it and I watched every video, everything that was happening because I was invested in it. And that is exactly the same principle that Jesus is teaching us here. When you invest your treasure in the kingdom of God, when you invest in things that last beyond this world, it changes your heart. It shapes your heart for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you honor God with your money, it's a physical action of faith that orients your heart toward him. And when you do that, he begins to change your heart. Not only does it affect your heart, but it affects your body. Here's how. It affects you physically. Honoring God with your finances changes you physically because he provides for you physically, okay? Now, this doesn't mean that when you put God first with your finances that you're gonna walk outside and he's gonna rain $100 bills from the sky, right? I've never seen him do that before. There's no such thing as naming it and claiming it. That is a false gospel, okay? Here's what I'm saying though. God wants to bless you physically, He cares about you physically, so he wants to bless you physically. And when you honor him with what you have, he takes care of you, right? I can't tell you how many times I've seen this exact thing happen in my own life. It's weaved throughout the entire story of scripture, 
right? Think again about Abraham. As Abraham honored God, God blessed Abraham and worked in his life. When you honor God with what you have, when you put him first, he takes care of you. And again, he does that in a multitude of ways. And I think that's why we tend to miss it. We miss it because we only look for his blessing in terms of money raining from the sky. But let me just tell you, if you have a job, it's because God blessed you with it. If you have an opportunity, it's because God blessed you with it. If you have a skill that you can put to work and use, it's because God blessed you with it. He is our source. He is our provider. And he provides for us in a multitude of different ways. And he wants to work in your life. The problem is, we walk outside of his wisdom, but we still want his blessing. We choose not to be obedient to him, but we still want his blessing. We choose not to do things his way, but we still want his blessing. And here's what I would say to you today. Stop trying to get Jesus to submit to your authority and submit to his instead. We need to live our lives in such a way that we position ourselves to experience God's blessing. And the way we do that is by being obedient to him. And as a pastor, I say it with all the love in my heart, right? One of the things that burdens me the most is watching people choose disobedience over and over and over again. Watching people choose to walk in ways that are not the ways of the Lord over and over and over again and wondering why is God not blessing me? Again, is he your cleanup crew? Or is he in the driver's seat of your life? My heart breaks for people who walk in disobedience and miss out on God's blessing in their lives and we don't do anything to earn his blessing That's not what it's about. But when we live the way he's called us to live, when we do what he's called us to do, when we walk in his ways, when we live in obedience to him, when we follow his wisdom, that is how we experience his blessing, right? Remember again what Paul said, 1 Timothy 6, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. He's worthy of your trust. And when you honor him with your finances, you put your faith into action, okay? Not only does it change your heart, not only does it change your body, it changes your mind. Honoring God with your finances, it changes your mind because it allows you to experience his peace and his rest, okay? Like I've said every week for the past three weeks, there's a peace that can only come to your life when you put God first. And in terms of our finances, there's a peace that you will only experience when you depend on him for everything that you need, okay? When you're dependent on yourself, there's plenty of reasons to worry, right? Because there's no telling what could happen. (laughs) But when we depend on God instead, we experience a peace that overcomes everything else. The most stressful moments of our lives are the moments where we try to be in control. And that's what we do so often with our money, right? When it's all in my hands, when I'm the provider, when my job is the source, when I'm the one doing this, that's the most stressful approach I can take to money. But when I put it all in God's hands, when I give him control, 
when I put him first, when I honor him, it changes everything, right? This is the way Jesus says it in the passage we've been reading from today, Matthew 6, 24. Recapping, he says, no one can serve two masters since either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. He goes on to say this, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear. He says, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? He says, can any of you add one moment to his life span by worrying? The answer is no. So why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor, they don't spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon and all his splendor was adorned like one of these. He says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry. Saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, okay? This is the place that I wanna see you reach in your life. This is the faith that I wanna see you have in your life. I want you to be in a place where your mind is not consumed with worry over money. How many of you need that kind of peace in your life? Right, yeah, six of us, praise God, right? Now, let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. There's a difference between planning and being a good steward and worrying, okay? Because some people will read this passage, some people will listen to this message and they'll go all hippie on us, right? And they'll say, oh, I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to do anything. I'm just gonna live my life and see what happens. Let me just tell you, that's not gonna work very well, right? God tells us to plan. He tells us to be good stewards. These are good things, but here's the difference. Planning and being a good steward of, is, planning is being a good steward of what God has given us, Right? Planning and saving and and making sure you have enough for other times in your life, that's being a good steward. But worry, on the other hand, is when we feel like we have to be our own source and provide for us. And that's the difference. So I tell you, plan. Be as wise as you possibly can. Save as much as you possibly can. Work hard. That is all great. But the peace cannot come from how much money is in your paycheck. The peace has to come from you knowing and believing that God is at the top. The peace comes when you realize that he is your source, that he is your provider. And if something happens, if we go into a recession, if we lose our jobs, it's all going to be okay because God is my provider. Your job is not your provider. Your job is not your source. God is. And there's a peace that you will only find when you have that mentality, okay? So my prayer for you, I don't want you to be in a place of worry over your finances. Instead, I want you to trust God. Instead, I want you to be a good steward of what he's given you. I want you to plan 
Spend wisely, save as much as you can. I want you to trust in him as your source, as your provider. Everything that you have, honor him with the first fruits of what he's given you. That's how we put him first, by giving back to him and trusting him with the rest, right? That's what I want us to do. I want you to honor him with your finances. I want you to put him first in every one of these areas that we've talked about for the last three weeks. And I wholeheartedly believe that as we continue in this new year, if we put God first, in these key areas of our lives, that our lives will change and our lives will look different as we honor him, all right? So let me pray for you today. God, we come before you and we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to live our lives free of stress and worry and anxiety over finances. God, we know that when we trust you, when we honor you, when we put you first, that we can experience genuine freedom and peace and rest as you are our source, as you are our provider. So we pray, God, that you would begin to do a powerful work in our hearts and in our lives as we put you first in these three very important areas of our lives that we've discussed these last few weeks. God, we wanna experience the fullness of your goodness and the life that you have planned for each and every one of us. And we realize that the only way that we can experience that is to put you first. So God, give us the courage to do just that. Help us to put our faith into action and to trust you with the results. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here today, you're watching online, you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. The best news of all is that you can find forgiveness and salvation in a relationship with Jesus Christ. God knew that we needed saving, so he sent his son, Jesus, to this world, and he lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, but he came out of it alive so that we could know him, so that we could experience his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love for us, and so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him. So if that's you today and you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Church, let's make this our prayer together. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner, and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.